Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about showing professionals the tools that they can use to make themselves and their businesses the most successful that they can. And we're going to have a ton of fun today and learn a lot because it's a subject that I've never talked about. So that's what makes this fun because I love it when I get to talk to guests where I get to learn from them. And it's it really is a topic we've never covered before. We've talked about how to start a business. We've talked about marketing tools. We've obviously talked about social media. But we're going to talk about how to not spend a ton of money and buy an existing business and then make it successful. So you'll please join me in welcoming an expert in this, Constantine Kapothanase. Thanks, Deb. Well, I, yeah, I said your name right. I'm just so thrilled. Fortunately for me, you go by Costa. So, um, but let me tell folks just a little bit about you. Sure. So Costa owns several businesses now, but he started off in finance. He has an MBA and a Master of Science in Finance and a BA in Economy. He was he sold the story that we go to college, get a good job, and live the dream. And it didn't work out for him. He's worked in multiple places, done multiple things, professional athlete, all sorts of stuff, but latched onto the idea of how to really buy an existing business without a lot of money down. And to that end, he's actually written a book and we can find it on Amazon. It's called The Zero Down Business, A Guide to Buying an Existing Business with Little to No Money. So again, Costa, welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you giving me the chance to uh, share my story. Great. And you know, I do have to say you're a youngster, um, but uh, it's actually very impressive because you have done all of this and you're just 27 years old. So, you know, that just, I love that. I love that, um, you know, because so many people are like, ew, millennials, they don't have any ambition. They don't know how to, well, holy cow, you have proved all of that wrong because you absolutely are a success story. I think it's kind of cliche because when you're an entrepreneur, you kind of like have no other gear. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and the, you know, so, so like I said, you had a variety of different positions and, and jobs that you did. I love the fact that in your book, you talk about that you weren't really good at math, but you ended up in finance. How did that happen? That happened by accident, really. Um, I ended up at a bank. Well, I graduated in, in 2010 when thing, mm-hmm. the job market was pretty scarce. Right. And I had trouble getting uh, interviews at places like Toys mm-hmm. R Us. Like it was, it was, mm-hmm. it was tough. Um, right. I'm from Maine originally, but I moved to Maryland for mm-hmm. uh, college. And coincidentally, the uh, bank manager of a local branch was from my hometown. And if mm-hmm. you know anything about Maine, it's a very close knit community. So she she right. she did me a favor and brought me on. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where my interest in finance took over. Okay. Well, and. You know, it's one of those things where you have a passion for doing this, but you did just kind of fall into it. And that's what I love, um, you know, and, and because you are truly a success story. So let's talk about, you know, what you have done. You know, it, it was funny. I was telling you off the air that I was at a recently at a networking meeting and it was all entrepreneurs and we had all started our business from the ground up. So we were talking about the challenges that you face with that. You know, you have to get a business license. You have to decide if you're an LLC. You have to, you know, where are you going to operate from? All these various things. But you have this concept. And and again, it's been very successful of buying an existing business. And, you know, we hear about people who buy into a franchise. I mean, clearly that's what happens with McDonald's, with, you know, all of the, you know, any franchise that's out there, whether it's a restaurant or you know, uh, the variety of things you buy into that franchise, but you actually buy businesses. So how did you decide to even do this? Um, so it, it came about kind of by happenstance because uh, I had, after I hurt my shoulder and had to stop playing uh, baseball for a living and go out into the real world, 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I had a connection. I had, I had lost the connection with baseball. So I had started a business from the ground up, but it was a, ho- okay. it was a hobby business. It was a, com- mm-hmm. it was a company called main bat company, which was a, um, a custom baseball bat company where okay. I actually made, I hand turned on a lathe baseball wow. bats. Um, mm-hmm. but I was still maintaining a full-time job. And, mm-hmm. um, when I got higher and higher up in finance and it took more and more of my time, I actually had to, I, I, I went to go sell the business cause I just didn't have the time for it. Um, mm-hmm. unless I was going to be up until two, three in the morning. And so, um, I came across this website, which I talk about at length in the book, uh, bizbysell.com. And mm-hmm. bizbysell is basically the marketplace, the go-to marketplace for, um, businesses for sale. Right. Um, I, I found out pretty early on that I wasn't really meant to be a W-2 employee. I, I struggled with large bureaucracies and finance is mm-hmm. probably the worst place for large bureaucracies. Everything's l- slow moving. Change is very slow and it's very difficult to uh, make an impact. So uh, that being said, I felt like I needed a business. So I started looking for businesses that were for sale um, mm-hmm. that weren't that much money. That was, that was how I started off. And, and mm-hmm. it was through that website biz by sell where I, where I started the process of, mm-hmm. uh, looking for existing businesses that were for sale. And the way that the website works is you request the books, you sign non-disclosure agreements because there's personal information, obviously in the purchase of a business. Right. And, um, all I did was I found an industry that I thought I was going to be successful in through my own personal skills. And then I just requested the books on almost every single one in that industry that was mm-hmm. for sale and just studied the, the P and L I studied the, the businesses, saw which ones were doing well, which ones were doing poor, kind of got a feel for why people were selling their businesses. Okay. Um, and then from there, I, you know, I pulled the trigger. I said, okay, I'm going to go after this one. Um, it was, I thought it was a good situation where I could keep my, my job for a little bit and then transition into mm-hmm. full-time self-employment. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's how, that's how that, that's how the process started. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and it's, you know, when you were talking, one of the things that struck me was that, you know, you decided to sell the bat company because so many people, they just say, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. And so they just close the doors, whether it's, you know, real doors or, you know, fictional doors. And, you decided, hey, you know, might as well see if I can make some money off of this. And, and, um, but obviously that's why people sell businesses because, you know, for whatever reason, they decide they're not going to do it anymore, but they don't want to close those doors. And, you know, and, and really, I mean, this, this is just fascinating to me because this concept had never entered my mind. And I won't tell you how old I am, but I've been in business a long time. And the fact that people would think, hey, this is a great business. I don't want to do it anymore, but let's see what I can get from it. You just touched on a key premise. Um, there's, and, and I go into this in the book as well. And just st- statistically speaking, the largest amount of first generation business owners who have no, no one to take over are starting to retire. Mm-hmm. So there's right. never been more of an opportunity to negotiate the takeover of a business Mm-hmm. and sometimes move in without ne- even needing to spend any money at all to take that business over just because there are people out there that, like you said, they'll just walk away. Well, right. if you can spot people in that position that are willing to just walk away, then there's no reason that they can't just hand over the reins other than mm-hmm. the only logical one that I personally see is if someone's built something to their own standard and they don't want to see someone uh, right. eliminate the standard that they held. but. Mm-hmm that's such a small minority of niche businesses. There's so many other, there's so many businesses out there that are closing down. I, I read the newspaper. Well, I, I'm not the newspaper anymore. I, I see, I get the, the local newspaper on my Facebook feed. Um, right. And there's, you know, local favorites closing down all the time. And I always mm-hmm. ask myself why, you know, someone's got to be willing to, you know, and the comment section's always the same. I love that place. I love that place. Right. Why are, why why are, are they you sh- closing? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and, so, you know, say you've decided you want to buy this business and you talked about the information that they have to provide. Obviously, they have to somehow verify that they're not lying, um, you know, the, and so full disclosure, all that good stuff. So they they tell you and 
that you know why they want to close their business and obviously they provide financials and things like that sometimes um i've done this enough ah. now where i've seen a lot of different situations okay and a lot of it is actually acquiring like a feel for the people you're dealing with i got very lucky the first business i bought um my my first store in harrisburg pennsylvania i uh the the owners of the business used a broker and the broker was very professional and he, okay. he put together a full packet, uh, like a 26-page packet with an executive wow. summary, P&L, mm -hmm. expenses, the works, um, areas of weakness, areas of strength. Like it was, mm -hmm. it was very nice. And, mm -hmm. um, and so I, that, that worked out. That might have just been luck. But the, along the line, I, I purchased a, uh, a convenience store type business. It was um, a vape shop, the e-liquids, when, when that fat was mm -hmm. going on. Right. And uh, I bought that over a napkin at a bar in downtown Baltimore. <laughs> I love it. So you just looked at them and you had a good chat and you got a good feel that this would be a good business to buy. Yeah, that was uh, and, and the situation called for it. The the just to give some context for that particular situation, the vape shops are obviously a trend that's going on right. currently. Um, mm -hmm. And so the margins on that business are fantastic. The guys that I bought that location from had opened up four other locations Ah. And they had the long-term goal of opening a bar in downtown Baltimore. So they didn't really have a passion for vaping okay. or convenience stores or anything like that. They were just trying to find an end to a means. So it, that one was more just asking people questions and mm -hmm. getting a feel for their personalities. What's, you know, and it made sense. There are some times when someone, you're talking to someone that's selling their business and it doesn't make sense. And then right. you got to, you, you want to get like audited numbers at that point mm -hmm. but with these guys like it made sense that they were trying to unload this business for mm -hmm. for cheap because they wanted to open their bar right so when you take over a business is it just you you get everything so you know like on monday it's owned by bob and on tuesday it's owned by costa pretty much um <laughs> It, and and that can that can depend as well. Uh, if if it's very formally done, there's usually a, an installment note um, or some kind, depending on the financing structure. And okay. and uh, there will be Exhibit A at the end of the mm -hmm. uh, of the of the note, and it will list all the items that are um, that are coming with the business. If it's a straight mm -hmm. asset purchase sale, then it's basically everything that's inside the business. There's usually okay. two separate documents unless you're buying the real estate, which up to this point I haven't bought any real uh, any of the real estate because I've been doing this <laughs> with no money. So I don't have right. the down payment on some of these Three mm -hmm. three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand dollar pieces of real estate. So you 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 execute a brand new lease with whoever the owner of the building is, and then mm -hmm. the installment note um, will lay out the terms of the actual business purchase agreement. Mm -hmm. um, I've never bought equity in a business, so I've never taken over an existing entity because that can be risky because if you can't uncover all the liens that that entity has you right. could inherit some some bad contracts but mm -hmm. um so usually it's in the form of an asset purchase agreement okay what about the employees do they and and you know obviously it's going to vary with with every single one but do you typically have the ability to keep the employees yeah so it's always a difficult time of transition for them because it's a lot of confusion usually right. the owners don't tell the employees that the business is for sale so they kind of get blindsided mm -hmm. um and like i said bob bombs bob's their boss one day and cost is their boss the next right day. exactly now for me i have been very fortunate that i've inherited good management at pretty mm -hmm. much all of the businesses that i've opened and um, and so I have never not taken on all of the employees. Um, okay. I've had employees leave because of the change in ownership. It right. was just because they they got spooked. But I have always given the employees the opportunity to stay and keep their hours and their pay. Mm -hmm. um, and so that that's typically how it works. And then again, 
my situation, I've never walked into a store and been operational. I've always been managerial from the outside. So Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're reading my book and you're looking to, if you're reading my book and you're looking to be self-employed and you need to eliminate that $40,000 manager so you can pay yourself that $40,000 to live your life, well then that's a little bit different than my, Mm -hmm. my approach. Right. Well, and that would be if you were just buying one business, you know, you, you have purchased multiple businesses, so you have to rely on the fact that it's going to continue to run itself. Correct. So, you know, this just baffles me. I mean, it's such a cool subject and, and that's why I really wanted to talk to you about it because it is something where you can, you can do this, you know, as, as you say, with little or no money down. So, Talk about that because that's, you know, that's of course why people don't typically buy a franchise because there's a lot of money down, you know, all sorts of things and, and, Royalties. you know, yeah, all those things. And, and you're just going in and buying a business. So how do you do it with zero money down? So the most common, and, and I talk about this in the book because there's several ways and I've, I've right. done a bunch of them. But the mm-hmm. most common way is seller financing. And the nice thing about seller financing is if the business owner is willing to do seller financing, they have trust in their business that they're going to be right. paid. Because mm-hmm. if they're saying, no, 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 go out and get an SBA loan or no, 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 go out and get third-party financing, they're saying they want their money up front because they're not sure you're, you're going to be able to pay right. them. And it's going to be a bunch of money. Right. And there's going to be down payments involved. Mm-hmm. In seller financing, you know, that's all how good you are at negotiating. Mm-hmm. So, because you're dealing one on one with another hu- another competent human who is able to make mm-hmm. decisions on their own. Um, so, with the first store, I used a cash advance method. Mm-hmm. Basically, what I did because I had worked W two jobs for so long, I had a car, I had pretty good credit, um, right. and so what I did was in the same night I took out. And and I'm not advising anyone to do this, but I took out. I, t- <laughs> I know I got to this. I took out ten. Went, oh! I took out ten credit cards on the same night, and I opened about eighty thousand dollars worth of open credit in one night. And I used PayPal, and I, I in the book I took screenshots of all the transactions because people, uh-huh. <laughs> some people don't believe it, but I ca- right. I cash advanced myself uh, ten thousand dollars. Um, five thousand of it went to startup costs. Uh, to k- kind of implement some of the changes I wanted to make when I took over the business, and five thousand of it went to the uh, the landlord slash business owner in the form of security deposit slash down payment. Right. So you bought a business for ten thousand dollars, pretty much. Yeah, that was that was the upfront that was the upfront cost. Wow. You know, and, and clearly it was, you know, you'd done your research, you knew that this was going to be a, a good entity, otherwise you wouldn't have, have wasted your money. How do you, what's the typical process? You know, do you, do you, you've, you've kind of focused on certain industries and, you know, which is, is obviously a benefit. You know, you're not just going, oh, let's buy this. Oh, let's buy that. So you focused on certain things and, and obviously done your research, but it just, I'm not even sure what to ask because this is just, it's, it is such an interesting subject to me. So you, you buy this first business and it works. So how does that process, you know, you, it, it was successful. So, you know, how long until you decided, Hey, want to do this again? Almost immediately. It was, it was almost immediate that I was looking for the second one. And, and to this day, I, I, I put aside one hour a day to go on biz buy sell on some of the other broker websites and even Craigslist sometimes to see if there's anything for sale. Cause there's no harm in requesting the, right. the books. Um, mm-hmm. cause as long as you're an ethical person and you sign the NDA and you're not planning on doing anything nefarious right. with that information, mm-hmm. like if it, it, there's no harm in doing it. So I'm always, always looking my second location. I got for zero dollars. Period. Zero. Mm-hmm. No ten thousand dollars. It was zero. But how did you do that? <laughs> so I using biz buy sell once again, and this one's mm-hmm. more of a story that this is this is probably pure luck. But mm-hmm. using biz buy sell, that twenty minutes away from my first location, which is another stroke mm-hmm. of luck. Um, mm-hmm. A 
Quick Lube was for sale, which is my my business is the Quick Lube industry. It's kind of like a Jiffy mm-hmm. Lube, except for we're better. Right. We're better. Mm-hmm. And um, so the owner was using a broker, and I had tried negotiating with her for a year, almost mm-hmm. almost a year straight. And I actually in the book I have all our emails between each other because it was a very frustrating process. Mm-hmm. But the owner was trying to move to Belize. So he was trying to move out of country. Okay. And this is where being in. So he had big incentives. Big, exactly. And this is where being intuitive and just like understanding leverage mm-hmm. is su- super important in this process. Because once you find that piece of leverage and you just p- apply pressure to that leverage, then everything is comes comes to your feet. So. Mm-hmm. He, I had offered him seller financing. I actually, at this point from my business had $30,000 in cash and I offered him $30,000 in cash along with seller financing. I offered Mm -hmm. him all this stuff. And at the end of the day, he just wanted to move to Belize. And Mm -hmm. so he sold the real estate to a, uh, to a young, a young guy that had his own real estate company and he was trying to get into the commercial, um, into commercial leasing and he wanted to turn the building into a taco bell and so when i found this out i basically went to work on research like what it would take to turn a quick lube into taco bell you deal with so much oil it couldn't be cheap right so the building sat there at this point sat there sat there sat there Mm -hmm. and uh i pulled the mortgage from the local um the local county courthouse to see mm-hmm. what this realtor was paying on it and not and that, that goes back to finding leverage like right. when you know these things you have leverage when you negotiate so i know what mm-hmm. he's paying i know he can't mm-hmm. do this forever he can't keep sitting on these payments forever he's not making mm-hmm. any money and then when i was able to reach out to someone representing yum brands which is taco mm-hmm. bell's holding right. company they they said they had no plans of turning that location because ah. of the Department of Environmental Protection. Right, right. It was just going to be so much paperwork and, and so much upfront cost that they just couldn't do right. it. Right. And there were some other things that went into it location-wise and that stuff. But right. at the end of the day, what it came down to was that place was going to remain a quick lube. And mm-hmm. so the realtor didn't really know anything about that industry. So he reached out to everyone who – he reached out to the previous owner's broker who – passed on the information of everyone who inquired about buying the business mm-hmm. and he reached out to me and he wanted a incredibly high lease for the square footage of the building and mm-hmm. i um and you'd done your research and I, exactly i knew what his mortgage payment was so i put my offer on the table mm-hmm. and um and and uh he initially rejected it but i stood firm with it because i knew the situation right and uh and Almost a week and a half later, he gave me a call and said, when do you want to come in and sign the lease? Right. And then this this is where I actually got really lucky. The previous owner left all the equipment behind. Oh, okay. All of, so he just closed the door closed and left. He closed the doors and he moved to Belize. I asked the realtor, I said, you know, are you, are you planning on liquidating this stuff? Like, what's the plan? Mm-hmm. He had no idea what the industry, it's a niche industry. Quick, right. It's not something that you can put on ebay and like sell Mm -hmm. some of that machinery right right so i said let me do you know i'm i'm familiar with this industry let me do some of the legwork for you i'll give you a cut Mm -hmm. of some of this machinery if you let me keep the if you let me have some of the essentials which is like my tanks that hold the oil and the guns that put the oil into the engine Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so and and that's how i was able to get that location with literally no money all i did was Mm -hmm. sign the lease and took over well, clearly what you do is you research, you know, and, and and you're very good at it. So where else should people be researching when they're thinking of buying a, a business, an existing business? It all really starts with Biz Buy Sell. You can go to eBay. You can go to Craigslist. I list some other websites in the book that have the businesses for sale. But mm-hmm. Biz Buy Sell has a very streamlined process of you see what's available. It gives you a summary. So like gross revenue, cash flow. Okay. Um, so you could take a look at 
you know, whatever it is you're looking for. And then you just send a request to whoever's listing it. Most of the time it's a broker. Sometimes it's the actual owner of the business Mm -hmm. and then they'll reach out to you and then do whatever process they need to do in order to get the information in front of your face. And at that point, you want to go check out the business. You want to adhere to any kind of rules they have. Most of the time they say, don't approach the employees. Feel free to pretend to be a customer if you want to get a feel for right um, the business. But it's, uh, you know, I every single location I've bought from my Quick Lube, I've gone at some point and sat in the parking lot and just watched it for four, mm-hmm. four or five hours. Cool. Well, so I'm, I'm on biz by sell right now and, and it brought up Georgia, you know, it knew where I was. And so it said the top categories right now in Georgia are seller financed, um, dry cleaners, real estate for sale or lease, restaurants, liquor stores, hotels, motels, convenience stores, barber beauty salons, vending machines, gas stations, bars, or work from home. So, you know, I mean, and those are just the, the top things. So, you know, there really is a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah, and you don't want to fall into the trap of just pressing the sort by least amount because that's what I did at first. And you, there's typically a reason someone's trying to sell a business for $10,000. Right. right, there's a problem. Yeah, you can't be afraid to look at the businesses that are for sale for half a million dollars. Just because it's mm-hmm. listed for a half a million dollars doesn't mean that you necessarily need a half a million dollars to to buy it. In in my case, the first location was listed for $175,000. I did mm-hmm. negotiate the seller financing aspect down because at the end of the day, you do need to be able to pay off the seller held note from right. the revenue in the business. Mm-hmm. And then depending on what your situation is and still be able to pay yourself. Um, and, and so you, you do need to have that kind of buffer. So you can't just say, I'll give you a half a million dollars in seller mm-hmm. financing because if that note comes to be more than what your revenue is, you're putting yourself out of business before right. you even start. But right. um, but it also doesn't mean you should eliminate those uh, those businesses that have that high price tag. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that are like 50000 and below are usually just like fire sales. They're just trying to get rid of their equipment. Ah. You know, and, and so it could be somebody passed away or, you know, whatever. They just, they want to liquidate as fast as they can. Yeah, they're just trying to get out. And... Mm-hmm. Sometimes, and you have to also be wary of industry, barbershops, convenience stores, cash-heavy businesses. Right. You can't always trust their books because mm-hmm. you don't know. <laughs> right. You know, and, you know, we're not saying that they're being deceptive, but certainly in, in cash businesses, not all the revenues reported. Let's just put it yeah. that way. <laughs> and, and, I mean, you know, that's that's just the way things are um you know and and so yeah so they might say hey they bring in 10,000 a week when they actually are bringing in 25 right and then they're trying to sell it at a $25,000 valuation when and you're only looking at 10,000 and and they want to stick to that 25 but they have no way of proving it so that that's right. also can in the in the reverse it can also be leverage mm-hmm. right well, and that's where, you know, maybe doing your due diligence in advance is definitely, you know, a benefit. You, you've you sat there, you've watched it, you've gone in, you've you know, pretended to be a customer, a client, and you see the turnaround. So you're like, yeah, they're not doing 10 grand. They're doing a heck of a lot more than that, um, you know, because you saw that. Or the the converse is true. You know, they're, they're overvaluing it. And you're like, yeah, I sat here for four hours and you didn't have a single customer. Yeah. And anecdotally speaking, just like a lot of these industries – barbershops, you know, retail facing environments. Sometimes it's as simple as going to Yelp and you can fi- mm-hmm. you can save yourself trouble just by going to Yelp because unless you have the utmost confidence in yourself to turn a business around if you, you know, there are some businesses that are so deep in the hole it's tough to right. turn them around. Right. Well, and you should always look at um customer reviews. You know, if it's been one of those places that is consistently getting five-star reviews, that's going to be a, a better business to buy than, and, and especially if you're not experienced in it, than the business that needs to be turned around. Um, you know, I, I always like the places that are advertising under new management. And I'm like, yeah, right. That means they were having trouble, wasn't it? <laughs> that's know? exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and so they're trying to say, hey, those people who weren't good customer service, weren't good managers, weren't whatever, they're not here anymore. So come try us again. Yeah, and it's and and that's important. I've had to deal with that twice now 
where my whole marketing campaign has been new ownership, new management, just to put mm -hmm. out previous fires. And actually, right. I was dealing with something along those lines right before our phone call. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's funny because when people ask me, what do you do for a living? It's it's it, it used to be so easy. I'm a financial analyst. I'm a this, I'm right. a that. Now it's like it's tough to describe because there are days where all I'm doing is putting out fires. Mm -hmm. So I said, and then there are days where, you know, I'm just being Mr. HR and then there are days mm -hmm. where I'm sourcing new business. And so, you know, entre entrepreneur gets thrown around very easily these days. Right. Um, right. And, and so I, I think to my core, I think that's what I am, but mm -hmm. it's just, uh, I, I don't have a clear definition um, to nail down yet. Right. Just out of curiosity, how many businesses currently do you own? Five. Okay. And have you, you've, you've talked about some that, that you had and you sold. So how many kind of, since you started doing this, have you bought and sold or still retain? Total, uh, seven. Okay, cool. You know, and, and so, I mean, that, the, that goes to show that this, you know, maybe it is somebody who just wants to get into business. They want to buy, you know, the, the beauty salon around the corner and that's going to be what they do forever. But you've made it a business to buy and sell businesses. Yeah. And at first, after the, after the whole, um, Belize situation, I thought that was just luck. And then right. after the third one, I was like, this is not like, this is an acquired skill. This is not, mm -hmm. you know, I've done it now three times and now right. I've done it five, six, seven, eight times. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it's not luck. That means, and if it's not luck, that means other people can do it. And it's right. completely changed my life. I had no intention of writing this book, but you know, I'm I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, and and a friend of mine who um, publishes books for a living, he approached me about just getting that story out. And I'm like, you know what? I'm so grateful that I was able to do this because my quality of life has just been off the charts since I've done right. this. I want to be able to share this with people. Mm -hmm. Well, and like you said, you know, if if in a lot of cases, this is not costing a small fortune. Um, you know, in, in many cases, it's very, very reasonable. Yeah. Uh, I think the most, the most I've spent, I recently, uh, I recently purchased a, um, location in Chicago and, um, I think my, my out-of-pocket expenses were about 12 grand and that's, mm -hmm. and that, that's the most. Cool. Now, you're, you've done this enough times to, to know, you know, the, the whole process. Do you have a lawyer that looks over things or, you know, looks over the napkin that you wrote on? Um, you know, what is that process? Because, you know, people are thinking, well, yeah, right. You know, it doesn't cost anything, but then it gets so detail oriented that we don't know how to do it. Uh, no, the short answer is no, I don't have a lawyer. I mean, I have a, I, I have a business lawyer for, business related stuff. But when it comes to purchasing right. a business, um, it's funny. I have a partner on a location I just bought in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and mm -hmm. he is a, he's a corporate attorney. And when we were sitting down with the broker, we're sitting at the table, hammering out the terms of the asset purchase agreement. And the, the lawyer totally just like dismissed me at the table and was like, ask going straight to him. Oh, you're an attorney. What do you think about this? And, and and, and he, he didn't know. No, it's not that he didn't know. He he deferred to me. He's like, right. what do you what do, you, what do you think? Right. And and it's funny because these are not these are not difficult contracts. Like I actually I should probably upload um I can probably upload a couple of them into PDF format and just like um make sure there's no personal information on them and you right. can see for yourself like oh, okay. how cool. how simple these asset purchase mm -hmm. agreements are because what it comes down to is you're buying intangible assets and physical assets. Mm -hmm. And you're promising to make payments on a specific day for those assets, and those assets right. are a um, are the lien on uh, have a lien on them, so that they revert mm -hmm. they revert back to the original owner if you somehow can't make those payments. Okay. Well, and you know, at the start of the program, we were talking about the fact that a lot of entrepreneurs start a business. And so they're thinking, hey, I could be a landscaper. I could be, you know, I could own a restaurant. I could do all of these various things. And, and again, I mean, how many times could they have bought an existing business and skipped a whole bunch of that painful stuff that we all face when we, when we initially start a business? 
Yeah, and if they're willing, and, and this is an X factor as well, you got to be willing to either relocate. You need to go where the situation takes you. I was right. I was fortunate that my first one was only an hour and 20 minutes away. And a lot of people wouldn't do that. Like a lot mm-hmm. of people wouldn't wouldn't want to drive an hour and 20 minutes one way to to do what I did. But right. but you weren't on site every day. No, not not at first. Mm-hmm. Um there was a short period where I where I was, but at the end of the day to live the life that you want to live, you have to do the things that you have to do. And mm-hmm. so like when I bought the when I bought the Chicago store, I live in Baltimore. So right. um, I signed up for Spirit's $9 fare club and it's a $44 round trip flight to go to Chicago. I go, oh. I go almost probably in the first three months, I probably went once a week. But mm-hmm. like if someone came up to you and said, you can have an extra $100,000 worth of income if you just spend $1,500 worth of flights, I think most that's a pretty good Most deal. Most people would say that's not right. that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and you probably go out and back in the same day. Exactly. And, that's yeah. that's exactly it. I I leave uh, I leave at five in the morning. I come back nine mm-hmm. at night. Um, right. So I'm never I'm, I, I'm never there more except for in the beginning when we were going through the right. negotiation mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. I stayed for a few days, but I'm never there mm-hmm. for more than one day. Mm-hmm. Well, but that is something to consider when you're doing your due diligence. Is do you have to be there, you know, on site? And obviously it depends on why you're buying the business. But, you know, do you have to be on site and can you get there easily? You know, getting from Baltimore to Chicago is pretty easy. Now you could probably do Baltimore to Atlanta fairly easily. But you start going further west and, you know, you've got time differences, all those various things. So it's not a day trip. It's a two-day trip. And, you know, all those various things. So that's definitely something that somebody needs to to consider when they're thinking of doing this. Yeah. And it all depends on your personal situation because if you're just searching to buy a business so you can be full-time self-employed and and get the boss off your back, then you need to be willing to relocate. Right. If right. that means if, – if, if your intentions are being the manager, operator – owner operator being active in the store you need to be willing to to relocate um Mm -hmm. if you're not willing to do that then either it's not for you or you need to accept the situation as it is right well and that means you know again that you've got to have really good people that are there already that you trust oh yeah that's the and that's probably the most difficult part and at the same time thanks to technology obviously a 200 dollar uh, security system from BJ's or Costco's or Sam's Club, and you can interact with your employees, you know, right. on the spot. You can see what's going in. I like I, I can log into my cell phone and and look at any one of my stores at any given time and mm-hmm. see what's going on. Um, and everything now is is you're able to communicate like this interview we're doing right now. <laughs> right, right. You know, and, and that's the, the other thing that people need to keep in mind is, yeah, they can put a security camera in where they're getting a live feed and, you know, all those various things. And, and you know, whether the employees know it or not, that's, you know, that's kind of between the you and the employees, um, you know, but, it, you know, it's so it doesn't have to be, gee, I'm going to drive to this business every single day. There's certainly lots of ways to keep tabs on it. Yes, that's right. And in in my opinion, the security is just as much there for the employees as it is for you as well, because um, you, you right. need to have their back at all times. And I'm in a high liability industry. Uh, mm-hmm. We're dealing with people's vehicles, which right. are very personal to a lot of people. So you want to make sure that if someone makes an accusation and your employee tells you, no, that's not how it happened, you have their back as well, because that's uh, people managing is very important in in the the way that I have my business structured because if my guys don't mm-hmm. trust me then it's then it's all gonna fall apart be- right because of the just the inability to be on site to mm-hmm. be reassuring right well and, and like you said it's it's a security feature you know so it's it's not just that you're checking on them it's that you know that it's it's a recorded thing so that if somebody comes back later and says oh you damaged my car or whatever you're like no no we have the the video feed we can show you that we didn't do that yeah exactly so you know more than likely you know depend obviously depends on the business a lot of that's already there that you're purchasing sometimes i actually only one of the stores i've taken over has had a security system oh. already installed and mm-hmm. and that one was uh 
and that one's the Pittsburgh store, and I need to fix it because right now you can only access it if you're on the wireless uh, network at the store, which doesn't Oops. make sense. <laughs> no, that that doesn't. You know, and, and well, and you know, I'm kind of assuming that some of the businesses you bought, the 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 owner that you bought it from might have been on site, and so it, you know, having security wasn't a big a de- as big a deal. But um, you know, it's yeah, it's it's just a way to cover everybody for and and to protect them. Yeah, and I and and it's just as much as protection for me as it is for the employees as it is security for my mm-hmm. assets. Right. Um, I have such good management in place that um, they handle so much stuff, and I'm very grateful for that because I know mm-hmm. that's not always the case. Right. Yeah, because you know we mentioned the fact that sometimes the employees leave because it's you know very disheartening to them. You know, it's. There, there might have been problems. I mean, you know, clearly sometimes there are if somebody's trying to sell a business, and so it might be the employees that were the problems, um, you know. And and so it's it's really good to make sure that you've got great people in place, or if not, they go. Yes, that's that's right, and and that has been the case multiple times where you've had to. Um, take care of someone who was part of the reason why the business was probably for sale mm-hmm. to begin with. Right. Well, and you know, then you just have you know situations where it's not a good fit. Yeah. You know, and and but I would imagine a lot of times, you know, especially because sometimes the business, you know, you you mentioned the fact that a lot of times the business is sold without the employees knowing. I mean, there can be an awful lot of resentment there. Um, You know, not the least of which would be some of them would think, well, why wasn't I given the opportunity to either buy it or buy in or, you know, all of these various things? Didn't you trust us all, you know, yada, yada, yada. And that's, that's a great point. And it's funny you bring that up because that I have experienced that very thing where the employees were upset that the owner didn't give them the opportunity to, to, uh, take over the business. Um, I've also run into issues where I've taken over a business and the employees weren't happy with my age and it, it's, right. you know, we mentioned the fact that you're in your late twenties, you know, somebody who's, who's either been in the business or been employed there. They, in a lot of cases, just naturally don't trust somebody who's younger. Right. And that's why it's important. Like transparency is important and also right. skill is important as well, because, mm-hmm. um, when I took over the first location, it was, uh, in pretty much a revenue free fall and their mm-hmm. way of combating the squeeze in revenue was to get better margin, which is not my favorite approach because that means you're usually cutting discretionary things that are helpful to the business. And it took me less than 16 months to, to, to have an increase of over a hundred thousand dollars in revenue. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of credibility. Just it, it speaks for itself. And then, then when the employees, believe in your vision and they believe in your ability to turn it around. And I've just mm-hmm. taken that with me to each store right? and it's, and it's a snowball effect, but it, I, I can't say that it wasn't difficult in the beginning to, uh, to mm-hmm. earn that, that trust. Right. Well, and especially if you're not there every single day, you know, it, it, it gets real hard and, and, you know, no matter what the business is, if the manager isn't or the owner isn't there, you know, it's it's easy to slack off. It's easy, you know, to there's there's all sorts of things. So developing that trust factor with them where they're thinking, hey, you know, we want this business to succeed, so we're going to do the best we can, that can be difficult. It, it, it definitely can be. And fortunately, this most recent acquisition, my Pittsburgh store, had the opposite effect where they were so glad to have someone that cared that they've been putting in 10x effort because they're just happy that someone's taken over and their owner was there more recently Mm -hmm. so physical presence doesn't always mean emotional presence Mm -hmm. and so as long as you're communicating with your staff and making it known that you're putting in the effort um, and that they can reach you if they need to all of those various things that's that's exactly right i right before you called me um one of the situations i was dealing with one of my employees uh, wasn't able to log into the the system we use for clocking in and out, and he wanted to run his report. And he goes, if I'm bothering you, I'm sorry. 
And I replied, I said, no, never. Like if you ever, if right. you ever need anything, reach out to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just what you have to do until you get to the point where you have an HR department or <coughs> right. an executive assistant. Mm-hmm. Well, have you ever had the situation or heard of one where the former owner stays on in some capacity? Typically, you negotiate that into the agreement where they'll stay on for a certain amount of hours to train you on machinery. Oh, okay. um, because if it's something you're not familiar with, you don't want to, especially if it's heavy equipment, you don't want to, or even something as simple as like a pizza a uh, pizza oven like if you mm-hmm. don't know the the intricacies of the equipment then you could end up doing damage so i have i have done that before um and it's sometimes it's helpful i don't really need to anymore because i i'm i'm so familiar with the industry at this point that there's not right. much that um mm-hmm. that i'm not familiar with but right. uh that's definitely something you can negotiate into so if if it's an industry that you're not um, familiar with, you can definitely leverage that into your deal so that you can get trained on it before you just, you know, take the reins. Okay. Well, and, and we mentioned that, that you have chosen one specific type of industry and that is what has really helped is, you know, you learned at the start and now you can just kind of go from there. Yes. And you may, and I made a lot of mistakes, but it gets so much easier after the first one. Because mm-hmm. uh, from there, especially once you're able to get into an industry and you have the co- the connections, that's mm-hmm. that's such a huge part of it as well. Right. Now, one of the things that you have done, and, and I'm assuming this is because you own multiple businesses, you've set up a holding company. So what is a holding company and what are the benefits of that? So uh, a few of my businesses are under the holding company, which is my way of keeping everything under one umbrella. I originally did it to save money because okay. uh, if you do separate entities, you need to do separate uh, QuickBooks accounts. You need to do separate accounting fees. You need to do separate basically everything. And so if you have a $50 a month payment for whatever, and then you multiply it times three, it can get up there in costs, especially right. if you're setting up a seller financing situation or any kind of financing situation where you're cutting it close um, in order to take over the business in terms of revenue to expenditures. So my holding company owns three of the locations and all of the money funnels to the operating account. And we have a payroll account that uh, the money gets distributed to when it comes time for payroll. And then all expenses are paid out of the operating account. And this gives you leverage in the sense that bulk bulk orders of anything. So what mm-hmm. no, no matter what industry, ah. no matter what industry you're in, you're going to have bulk orders of something. And mm-hmm. for me, it's oil and oil filters. And uh, those are my two biggest purchases. But by having it under one entity then those purchases, instead of being three $1,000 purchases, it's one $3,000 purchase. And depending on the price breaks of whatever you're It might buying. be a $2,000 purchase. Right, exactly. And you can get, you can get better margin when, when, you, uh, when you leverage it like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got about 10 minutes left. And, and so let's talk some more. I'm, I'm looking at your book. You talk about some of the mistakes that you made. And one of them is that you fell in love with the business. So why is that a mistake? Because don't you want to love your business? When I speak of falling in love with the business, I speak of falling in love with the acquisition of the business. So you don't quite own Ah. it yet because that will cloud your judgment in terms of, and and I talk about that with the Ameriloop or Ameriloop. That's the name of my business and that I took over with no money. Mm -hmm. Um, In the Ameriloop situation, I had offered the guy Mm $35,000 with seller financing only because I was just so infatuated with that that location and I, I just right. wanted it so badly and obviously so it almost became a negative or it, it gave him uh, leverage if they if they can get a if they can get a whiff of how much you want it it can definitely become leverage but um I ended up getting the place for zero dollars and so mm-hmm. and that just came from being patient and so you never want to fall in love with an acquisition because then you're unable to then you start justifying things that 
you, you shouldn't be justifying and you mm-hmm. start placing a higher value on intangible assets. And it's kind of why people never really value their house uh, correctly when they go to sell it because they're, they're right. putting a, an emotional valuation on it that the person who's mm-hmm. buying your house doesn't really see. Right. Well, and, and yeah, you, they are, they're saying, you know, this is where I raised my family, you know, and, and, you know, and we've put so much into it and, you know, all these things. And he's like, eh, I'm going to have to gut it. <laughs> you know? right. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> exactly. You, you, you look past the flaws that other people uh, spot pretty easily. Right. Well, and that's where it helps to have kind of that third party person, um, you know, so that, you know, and, and obviously it's, you know, a realtor or somebody like that. You've talked a bit about brokers. What the heck is, is a broker and, and what is their role in all of this? I was hoping you weren't going to bring up brokers because I have Uh-oh. a uh, huge disdain for brokers. <laughs> okay, that's cool. You know, and, and Especially it's, it's... realtors slash brokers. Uh-huh. <laughs> Business brokers are the bane of my existence Okay. because most of them think they're big shots. And... Well, and, and clearly they're in it to make money. I mean, you know, there's they, they, otherwise they wouldn't be doing it. So, you know, there is kind of that going into it. Yeah. So the whole purpose of they're going to get a portion, they want to maximize the sale of the business, mm-hmm. um, obviously. So it's their job to convince you to buy it at whatever they're listing it for. But right. um, when you do your research and you point something out so plainly and they just want to ignore it for no other reason than they're trying to maximize their profit. And then there are situations, like I've had situations where I've I've done simple valuation formulas Uh, multiple of earnings and said this business is not worth what you're saying it's worth and then Mm -hmm. the person walks away from the business and it shuts down and then the broker doesn't get paid right nobody gets anything exactly Mm -hmm. and so it that's always (laughs) it's been a it's been a touchy touchy point for Mm -hmm. for me but i deal with so many like because like i said i'm i'm one hour a day looking at businesses for sale so Mm -hmm. i'm always requesting the books at all times. I want to get a pizza shop. That's my kind of like my pet business that I'm trying Ooh. to trying to get into. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's, that's the other thing is, you know, you're doing this because it's a passion for you and you want to have a pizza shop. So it kind of comes back to the others. You know, you can't let anybody know you really want this business. Um, but it's, you know, it, it, it gives you the flexibility to be able to go after the business that you want. Yeah, when you when you know what you're looking for, it makes everything very clear. It's um, by the way, today's National Pizza Day, um, and so when I first got into it, the reason I looked into the industry that I looked into was because oil changes are a quasi utility, and um, and I'd say I'm passionate about cars, but I'm more passionate about business than I am cars. So. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky in the sense that my passion for business, no matter what industry I get into, I'm able to apply my passion towards it. For some right. people, the only way they'll ever succeed in business is if what their business is, is their passion. Otherwise, they're going to fail because they're just mm-hmm. not going to, you know, I was up until two in the morning last night and just some people don't have that. Right. Well, and yeah, for, you know, either they don't have the passion or they, they just don't have the ability to do that. Um you know, and, and, but, but yeah, so it's, it, it is, it's just so interesting to think of, you know, Hey, you know, you want to do this. Why not buy an existing business as opposed to starting from scratch? Yeah. And no one's talking about it. I'm a huge Gary Vaynerchuk Chuck fan and, and mm-hmm. I'm a huge, um, I'm, I'm huge into social media marketing. So I'm, a, I'm very well aware of all the conversations that are going on in entrepreneurship right now. And not a single person is talking about this. And just sti- mm-hmm. statistically speaking, it's just so much more plausible to take over an existing business than it is right now to start one from scratch or to start an app or to right to make a monetize a blog. It's it's very like the numbers are against you in that fashion. But mm-hmm. with an existing business, the infrastructure is there, and if you just figure out how to how to leverage the situation, you can walk into something really good. Right. Well, and, you know, we've, we've mentioned the fact that if you're buying an existing business, they've got assets, they've got customers, they've got employees, they've got all of those things already in place. Yes. And, um, and, and all you have to do is add your little, your, your little personal flair to it to make it your own and, and mm-hmm. off you go. Right. 
And, you know, and you've made a business of buying multiples, but it could be that somebody just decides, I'm going to buy the pizza shop. You know, I want to be there buying that pizza shop, Um, you know, or landscaping business or whatever it is. It's their passion. And, you know, and, and so they think, well, hey, you know, I can do this. Yeah. And that's that's who I'm trying to get this this story out to. And these are the people I'm trying to affect are the people that you know, they think it costs a lot of money to start a business or to buy a franchise that's in the industry that they want to be in or whatever it is. It, it's not, it really isn't. And, uh, it, a lot of people are very skeptical because it's, it just sounds too good to be true. But if you really look at it and if you look at it concretely and look at some of the methods in my book, because I don't talk only about seller financing. I know that's the bulk of what we talked about right. today, but but there's crowdsourcing. There's you know all sorts Sweat of sweat equity things. is one that I'm actually going mm-hmm. through right now. There's a there's a quick lube in in a suburb of Chicago where the owner is aware of my work ethic, and he reached out to me and he said, "Hey, you know, if you don't have any money but you want equity in the business, like if you come help me turn my business around, I see what you've done with other stores. Like I'll give you fifty percent ownership of the business if you just wow. help me out. Um, mm-hmm. Sweat equity is is a is a very good one and then mm-hmm. um assume lease purchases i talk about assume lease purchases that's another one where the business owner has a situation where they just need to get out and they say hey if you take over this lease you can have the business mm-hmm. right well and you know it also could be that you know you are already an employee of that business and so a lot of the information that you've got is very beneficial to those folks also yeah, I'm sure that can be the case as well. Um, I I think I would like to think one of one of my stores, the manager has been there for 20 years. I would like mm-hmm. to think that if I were to ever move on, that uh, maybe he would be interested in in having it. Mm-hmm. Well, and and you do talk about employee funding as one of the ways that that you can finance this. Yes, employee employee funding and vendor funding are two sometimes rare. Uh, vendor financing is common in my industry because the the vendor is usually the oil company and they don't want to see their client go out of business because you're a steady source of revenue. Right. You're you're buying their your main whatever your main uh, uh, item is, um, your main inventory, whoever mm-hmm. your vendor is for that, they have an interest in you being in business. So you can sometimes approach the vendor and say, hey put up the money for me to take over and I'll keep using you as our vendor. Cool. Well, Costa, we've got just a couple minutes left. So what's your favorite part about all of this? Probably the flexibility of being able to hold myself accountable to myself and waking up in the morning knowing that I don't have anyone coming down on me for something that I deem irrelevant. I'm the one that gets to deem what is and is not irrelevant. Um, the quality of life change from being self-employed is, is just so much. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's more than anyone could ever ask for. It's, it's life changing, which is the whole reason I did this in the first place. Right. Right. I love it. Well, you know, Good golly, we're at the top of the hour, and I've been having so much fun talking with Konstantin Kapothanasi about his book, The Zero Down Business, A Guide to Buying an Existing Business with Little to No Money. Obviously, the book is on Amazon, but how else do people find you and connect with you online? All of my uh, all of my social media is Costa Capo, C-O-S-T-A-K-A-P-O. Uh, any questions at all, or if you want me to look at anything, email me at Costa at capogroup.com. That's K-A-P-O group.com. I always connect with people. Um, if you have any questions, if you want me to look at businesses, I'm also starting on my blog to post listings that I feel are, um, candidates for the zero down business. So, um, that's something you can look into, and that's just capothanasis.com, K-A-P-O-T-H-A-N-A-S-I-S.com. Perfect. Well, Costa, this has been fascinating because it really is something that I had never thought of as a, a, a way to start a business, and it seems like it's kind of, I hate to say this, a no-brainer. You know, clearly, yes, there's lots of research, there's lots of things, but it is something that business people should be considering is why start from scratch when you can possibly buy one, two, three, multiple businesses that already exist. 
80% of the U.S. economy is businesses of 20 employees or less. Right. And we have the largest economy in the entire world. So there's never been a better opportunity for someone to go out and take over someone's business if you just have the, uh, the ability to find one that suits your, uh, your, your needs. Perfect. Well, Costa, this has been fascinating. Um, I am Deb Creer. I've had a great time talking with you. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>